Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, before we get into this very special episode, I just want to tell you about our sponsor. It's a film called Sir John A. and the Curse of the Anti-Quenched. It stars uh, Spenny from Kenny vs. Spenny, uh, John Dunsworth from Trailer Park Boys, you may know him as Mr. Leahy, and uh, The Diener from FUBAR. It also stars a bunch of other funny Canadians, and uh, you can find it on iTunes, Amazon, or wherever you get your films. Also, just want to mention that uh, this uh, very special indie-inspired uh podcast uh if there's any other indie filmmakers out there that want to connect come on the podcast talk about their indie films uh we'd obviously love to have you so reach out to us on twitter or uh on are you telling me you built a time machine out of a delorean welcome to the raiders of the lost commentary podcast welcome to jurassic park the unofficial commentary for your favorite and not so favorite films the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger starring your hosts Adam and Matt can you dig it can you dig it start your movie in three two one hey everybody welcome to the podcast so we got a special podcast actually today on the podcast, I have filmmaker Kelly Parks, and we're going to watch his uh, indie film, Demon Protocol. Kelly, how are we? Uh, we are doing well. So, uh, Kelly, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about uh, this project and how uh, how it all got started. Okay, well, I've been a, um, a filmmaker and a screenwriter for about 10 years, uh, trying to work my way into the industry. Um I've uh, written 10 screenplays. I've won several awards, um, won the International Horror and Sci-Fi Film Festival Screenplay Competition one year. Uh, I've made it uh, to the uh, semifinals of the Nickel Fellowship, which is the most prestigious screenplay contest there is. That was with a horror movie, which is really rare. Very cool. Uh, and I've made uh, four short films before this. Uh, one comedy, one zombie movie, one really dark comedy, and one just playing comedy. Right. Sci-fi horror is where I really live, but I, I, I you know, comedy's fun too. You just dabble in it, kind of thing. Just yeah, get your feet wet in it. Yeah, yeah. Comedy's so, tough, eh? Because like, I, I feel like more comfortable in comedy personally, but like, it's tough to know what people are gonna like laugh at and what like different, I don't know, different crowds will find funny and whatnot. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I got a pretty good response from my last one from the short film. It's called The Complaint. Okay. And it's about people complaining to HR because one of their coworkers is a Jedi. <laughs> I and, like that. Yeah, and it's just like a three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute short, and it's gotten a really nice response, so I'm pretty happy with that. Well, that's good, man. How, what's your uh, experience been with uh, festivals and, like, entering in festivals and all that? Uh, I've had some good luck. Uh, my zombie movie um, it's called Universal Dead. It's uh, it's also on Amazon, and uh, you can find it on, on YouTube as well. Um, that was kind of a big deal because we got some name actors for that, including Doug Jones. Oh, very uh, cool. Yeah. For those who don't know, Doug Jones, he, he was the fish creature in The Shape of Water. Uh, he was uh, uh, Abe Sapien, the fish guy in uh, the Hellboy movies. Right, which is uh, it's sort of like – it seems like it's like the sequel. <laughs> See, almost like the same guy. Yeah. He was also Pan in Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And, and what was the uh, uh, the Pale Man, the guy with no eyeballs who chases the girl. Um, it's one of those guys. He's, eh? he's, he's always, always in suits, eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, he, 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 he does a great uh, uh, talk every once in a while to like acting classes and stuff where he tells a story about how uh, he got a reputation amongst uh, makeup artists as the guy who doesn't complain. Oh, really? Most, yeah, most people are, you know, when they have to sit in a makeup chair for four or five hours just to get in the costume, it's not a pleasant experience, and, and people get get a little testy. Yeah, uh, no doubt. But uh, Dougie is just the most amazing, wonderful, loving man you'll, you'll ever meet. Um, people on set were, were arguing, no, he loves me more. No, no, he loves me more. <laughs> That's uh, he's just the nicest guy in showbiz. He really is. And, uh, yeah, so he got this reputation amongst the makeup people and – so whenever a director would say, who can we get for this? They were like, oh, get Doug Jones, get Doug Jones. And then that's how he became like, I don't know, just like always in those uh, scenarios. Yeah. He's also, he's got like, if you look at his body, he's got that lanky, weird yes. look. It, it kind of works well for it, eh? It does, yeah. He's, uh, he was a mime at one point. And so, he, yeah, he, he's really good with the, the whole movement thing. And 
Yeah, he's just awesome. Um, but he was very happy in the for the, the uh, short that I made because he didn't have to be in costume. He played my scientist guy, so he just had a lab coat and and no makeup at all, just a regular guy. That's cool. Uh, how'd you go about uh, getting him in the uh, in the short? Uh, he came to uh, San Diego to um, uh, our local filmmakers group to give the very talk I was just uh, describing. Oh, okay. And and uh, I've I've got kind of a, a trick. I, I found a secret to, to getting a conversation going with a celebrity All is right. don't compliment the obvious thing. Compliment like something, you know, some obscure thing they did that they never get asked about. Right. That's, good, knew this that's obscure, a good move. Yeah. I knew this uh, this uh, little independent horror feature that, that he had been in. So as soon as uh, he came in, I, I said, oh, hey, you're this, this guy from this movie. And he was really surprised that I knew. And we got to talking. And uh, he, I told him about the movie I wanted wanted to do and he said send me a script so i sent it to him and he liked it and he did it that's very cool and yeah. uh yeah like obviously it's kind of tough like getting anyone sort of famous into films i don't know i've, I've dealt with that like a few times as well like you know and uh pitching people and having meetings upon meetings but that's awesome you got him in you didn't want to come back for uh for the feature Oh, I I would have loved to have had him in it, but he's he's a much busier guy now than he than he was then. That's true. Uh, so uh, back on to the movie we're actually watching. Uh, okay. So uh, do you want to take me through? Did you do any research on this? Do you want to do tell me oh, about yeah. like pre production or? Sure. Um, the only reason this movie happened was because I got laid off from my job. Okay. Anyway, you you told me earlier off air, but. Uh, you work as a computer programmer, you said? Yeah. I, I had a job as a computer programmer at uh, this one company. I have a different one now. But at the time, I, I got laid off along with a bunch of other people. And because of that, uh, I was able to uh, pull all the money out of my 401k without any penalties. Oh. So I'd been thinking about doing this for some time. And I thought, okay, this is this is an opportunity right here. Okay. Yeah, so I pulled out all the money. So I paid for this mostly myself. Uh, I did have one other investor who helped out with some things. Um, and, uh, I wrote it to be as low budget as possible. I wrote, so this house where you see right there, it, you know, I wrote it to be entirely inside that house. There's like one or two shots outside, but almost everything is inside the Robert Rodriguez technique. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, I, I planned it from the beginning to be low budget. That's and uh, I used a, a kind of a mix of, uh, San Diego people and, uh, uh, some LA people like, uh, um, girl you see right there, her name is, well, the two girls are Bethany Reagan. She's the shorter one. Um, she's an LA actress and, and I'm very happy with, with her performance. She did a great job. Um, and I found her just at, I went to like various audition sites and it's like one of those things you, it's hard to describe, but you know, it when you see it. Yeah. They either got it or they don't. Eh? Yeah. And, and I, I looked at a bunch of tapes of a bunch of people and I was like, nah, 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 not really. And then I saw her, and she she really knew what she was doing. So so I called her up and hired her over the phone. And, really? So you uh, had no traditional like casting session of you know like yeah. uh, put up a casting call, have a lot of people come in and read for parts or? No, I there was not much point in doing that here. San Diego has some great local actors, but I know most of them already. Right. So so yeah, and now uh, this one, the 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 ghost right there. Okay. Okay. Uh, her name is Lexi. Uh, she plays in the credits here list as Camilla because Camilla is the girl who lived in this house before and who died here. Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, well, that, that happens in the, you find that out in like the first two minutes. Oh, sorry. I, I haven't been listening. I've been listening to you talk. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, and this lady right here, this is Sarah Agor. Um, she's been in tons of movies. She's an LA actress. Uh, she was in um, a reality series called Scream Queens. Oh, like yeah. I've heard that. I haven't watched it. My sister loves it. Well, no, not, not the one that's on right now. That's a, that's a different thing. Oh, this sorry. Was, uh, yeah, this was like 2008, 2009, I think it was. Um, oh, the original original. Yeah, it was a reality show. It was like these uh, 10, you know, pretty girls all living in a, in a uh, house and they have to do challenge, acting challenges and one gets eliminated each week until finally you're left with the one who, who wins and got to be in uh, Saw 6, I think it was, the sixth Saw movie. I can't believe they made six of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Lionsgate, you know, uh, was about to go under when they made the first one and it totally saved their company. Right. So you know, they, you know, and they were, they were so disdainful of it back in the day, like before, well, I guess we can make a horror movie because they were all like, you know, drama nerds. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they made a horror movie and it saved them from going under. And then, so they made a bunch more. Crazy. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, Sarah was on that show and that that's, and I, it's just weird that I, I remember seeing that show like 10 years ago and I remember her on it cause she, she did a great job and then like 10 years go by and then I end up hiring her to be in a movie of mine. So that's, that's cool. That's funny how that, that, uh, sort of comes full circle like that. The, uh, priest right there. That's Gary Graham. He's also an LA actor and he's been in tons of movies. Um, there was a movie from the nineties called alien nation. Okay. And it was made into a TV series, uh, for a few seasons. And he was the lead on that. He was, uh, uh, he played on the TV series, the, the James Conn role from the movie. Okay. That's where I like, first really noticed him as an actor. So a lot of like seasoned pros you got like in the cast, yeah. like, you know, consummate professionals. How'd you deal with like, uh, directing these people? Like, you know, they've obviously worked with lots of other people. Like, it, did you have any challenges dealing with anyone or is everybody pretty shows up? No, everybody, work, was, or? everybody was awesome. I, there's an old saying that, uh, um, 90% of directing is casting. Yeah. For real. You get the right people and you're good. And I had the right people. I, I was, I was really super happy with all these people. Um, uh, so there's Gary right there. That's, uh, uh, a guy named Scotch is, uh, the, the, uh, the, the zealot, uh, his, uh, his assistant. And, um, there's the machine they're going to use to try to clear this house of, uh, of its hauntings. And I based that on something from Nikola Tesla. Okay. Uh, one of, one of his many inventions was something called a spirit radio that supposedly could hear the dead. Uh, so, and the, the antennae that are on those uh, the pylons there are modeled after uh, Tesla's spirit radio. Oh, very cool. So yeah, back to the research thing. Like, uh, did you have to take any like weekend courses on any uh, exorcisms or anything like that? Or um, not weekend courses, but I did. Uh, I watched a bunch of uh, YouTube videos and I did a lot of reading and I talked to a couple of people. Like I had like mm-hmm. a friend of a friend of a friend that. Uh, went to become a priest uh, allegedly this is an alleged story so i don't know if it's true but yeah apparently they still do like a a literal weekend course on like just in case you gotta do an exorcism but uh uh, it was the exorcism movie like obviously was that a favorite uh, of yours like a long time ago or or is that well my my tagline for this is it's uh the thing meets the exorcist okay the idea here is that uh, uh, the people living in the house, they know their house is haunted. I mean, the wife does. Caroline right there um, plays the wife. She, she has seen the ghost and she believes in it. And she thinks it's this is all huge fun. Um, the husband is in complete denial. He thinks this is all nonsense. He, uh, uh, you know, it's a giant waste of time, but it makes his wife happy and that's all he cares about. So that's why he's doing it. But what they don't realize is it's not a ghost, it's a demon. The demon is intent on possessing the wife. Oh. So this uh, this little event here, clear the house. Uh, everybody's Catholic. Let me see that. <laughs> uh, this little event here uh, is not going to go well. And as a result, somebody will end up possessed. So so just like in the thing, the idea is like who who is it? Oh. How um, how long did you spend uh, in production? Uh, it was two weeks, and it was kind of kind of broken up a bit because uh, Gary Graham right there, he had a, uh, he has a pretty busy schedule too. So we had to break up shooting a bit to accommodate that. But other than that, it was, it was pretty much two weeks. Uh, straight, you know, straight yeah. on, uh, very long days. Yeah. Traditional indie film, long days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what'd you guys shoot right. on? Uh, it was a red dragon. Um, so, I mean, we, we've got like a really nice, super high def, like 4K, um, which most which mostly doesn't get used right here. Um, but uh, yeah, we, it was a very nice camera. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to shoot with it a couple times and do love shooting with it. It's just can be cost prohibitive sometimes, you know? Yeah, I, I find the best way to, to do this kind of stuff. Um, 
because I, I don't shoot often enough to justify the expense of buying all the equipment myself. Yeah. So instead, I find I find myself like a good DP, a good director of photography, who comes with all the stuff. Okay. You know, hire them, and they come down, and it was his camera, and he brought he brought a, a grip with him, and did all the lighting and, and everything else. So, you know, so that's that's done. Every, you have all your equipment. You have the people who know how to use it. You know, and you just hire them for the duration, and then 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 that's over. So that's kind of like the method you went about, just trying to just kind of hitting a lot of birds with one stone there for crew. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really smart. That's uh definitely definitely smart. But uh so in terms of crew, I guess you just hired all out like it was all just uh you just worried about directing and have to worry about dealing with like um you know, like lighting or all that. Did the DOP kind of like plan a lot of the direction of how not direction of of the actors but just how the lighting and how everything was going to be shot or yeah yeah it's all uh peter lugo right it was the DP and he did a he did a great job yeah, um it's great so yeah it was a pretty small crew it was uh peter um uh the grip that he brought it was also like the assistant camera uh oh there's our first visual effect right there okay. the right um and um uh, uh my, uh, I had a good friend who's also my editor, and he was my first AD, uh, and uh, uh, couldn't have done it without him. It's uh, John Nuatami. Um It's smart having your first AD as your as your editor because they'll they'll know like yeah we can for sure cut this uh, we don't have to worry about shooting this or we need for sure need this for editing you know. Yes, yes. One of the one of the things uh, the lessons you learn uh, making short films, and everybody should you know go through that before you try to make a feature. Uh, is is uh, you know when you finish shooting it, you're not even remotely done. You have a lot of work to do. Um, and the thing you learn in the editing room is all the shots you wish you had. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys have to do any reshoots? Or? Did you guys have to do any reshoots? Uh, no, fortunately, no. Yeah, we got it all. Got it all um, in one go. That's lucky. And uh, we're gonna have a pretty uh special effectsy moment here in just a just a bit did uh what uh how did you do the visual effects like did you guys have it planned out on the day or is this something you some of it was planned uh some of it was kind of on the fly afterwards uh uh i met a guy named raymond montemayor he runs an effects company here in san diego i met him at a uh one of the film festivals we had here in san diego and because he had made a short film about his star wars toys coming to life showing off Flexibilities. Uh, so, and, and he did all the effects in here and he did just a great job. I'm very happy with him. It's going to happen okay. any second. And see how everybody's kind of, kind of in a trance. And they were told, you, the, uh, they were told like not to leave that area because that's where they were safe. But okay. yeah, she let out. The, uh, the, the demon girl effects. How'd you yeah. guys do that? Is it? Yeah, watch, watch, watch what's coming here. Here, any second, any second. Anticipating this is the girl. <laughs> She's upset. Yeah, let me in. I love that line. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, like effects like that. Uh, that's all the stuff that Raymond did. And I spent a lot of time online. Um, there's a bunch of different sites uh, filmmakers can go to um, for uh, like um, free or fairly low cost uh, audio effects. Right. That's what you're hearing in the background there now. Oh, and you know, I love this effect here. Tell David, people. you here, David, you here. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I I spent a lot of time finding ones that I you know that felt right that were good you know horror movie sounds. Um, and, uh, mostly they were free to download. Uh, the, the sites were, were free. They were, people just wanted, uh, uh, you know, their, their stuff out there. Did you spend uh, much time in audio post or like, like, uh, obviously you yeah, had no. somebody on set doing, you know, like, yeah, no, we had, a, we had, a, uh, uh, we had a sound guy, of course you, that's so, so, so critical. Yeah. You can't emphasize that enough, right? Yeah. Uh, our song guy was uh, Dylan Hirsch, 
and uh, very very professional. Comes again, just like just like the the DP brought all his own equipment. You know, Dylan shows up with all his own equipment, and uh, so again, just you know, hire him for the duration, and then you're done. Right. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, he was, you know, always uh, watching out for anything that might interfere or whatnot. Like at one point, some neighbor was doing some work with a jackhammer. Uh, like, really now, now, <laughs> as you do in San Diego. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. It was weird. Fortunately, it didn't last very long, so uh, we're good. But, but yeah, just stuff like that. You got to be so careful because bad sound ruins a movie. Yeah, it's true. You'll forgive like a bad picture. You'll forgive a lot, but you won't forgive bad sound, as they say. Yeah. It, you know, the problem with it and anything like that is that it, it destroys your suspension of disbelief. It knocks you out of the story and you're suddenly reminded, oh, you're watching a movie. True, very true. And that's and that's why it, it does so much damage. So you got uh, some prop guns here. Did you guys use uh, real guns or did you have no, no. airsoft guns or they were airsoft? They were they were not real. Yeah, it's hard to get real guns up here in Canada, so it's uh, it's rare to see. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a whole other show, but yeah, they're plentiful here. Yeah, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, they were just airsoft, uh, but they worked. They had. Um, they had it like a CO2 cartridge. So they had the slide action and everything? Yeah, slide action works. Um, and, uh, you know, they give a nice little puff of, of, uh, of air. So it, it kind of looks like a person is actually getting hit by something. Yeah, it uh, looks great. I, I've used air, Airsoft's kind of been the thing to use for a long time now. But they look yeah. so great. They look they look very real. But um, Everybody, uh, um, uh, well, a lot of the, the actors, they were or, you know, they'd used guns before and they were careful. Like one of the worst mistakes you see in any movie or TV show that gives away that a person who's supposed to know how to use a gun really doesn't is you'll see them like standing there holding it and their finger is on the trigger. Fingers right. Yeah. No, no trigger control. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the mark of a total amateur. You'd never, ever do that. Or they're You're waving always, it around or whatever. Your finger should be pointing straight, not touching the trigger at all. Yeah. Don't touch the trigger unless you're going to shoot somebody. Yeah. You know? So. But yeah, I guess that did you have anybody on set that like, I don't know, I guess if people are used to using weapons, but uh, then it's not so. so uh, actually, uh, Gary right there, he was, uh, he's uh, uh, very knowledgeable. So he was very helpful for that. That helps. I suppose he's been around a lot of it on different sets. Oh, yeah. Not too, right? He's been doing movies forever, the, uh, since the 70s. So yeah, he's been around forever. That's right, eh? Back and, uh, to, what, what were you going to say? Oh, and the. Uh, he wasn't the only actor who also like added their expertise. Uh, uh, Bethany, the the brunette right there, she was my Catholic consultant. Oh, she was because she was a you know went to Catholic school and everything. So she helped us like get crossing ourselves right and and all, just a bunch of stuff. Did you get all the self hate in there too? <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up. I went to Catholic school as a kid uh, as well, mm-hmm. like as well. So I feel her pain. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of great stories. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else. I, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a funny world. I don't know, uh, I don't know what religion you grew up in, or if you grew up in religion at all. But being Catholic, uh, was, something else. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I was raised a Lutheran, but uh, didn't really take. Really, Lutheran? I've never met a Lutheran. It's uh, yeah, yeah. There's, we exist. We're. Around. So uh, you have prosthetic, obviously, in her mouth there for the some of the effects yeah. I'm seeing, and uh, then so uh, you, you yeah, like the I, conscious I, I, like here. Look, see, you see the you saw our hair move from the puff from the CO two. That helps, person, eh? That little blood cloud. Yeah, it adds a lot, eh? Just that little bit of practicality to mix in with like a yeah. a CGI, well, kind of a compositing effect, right? Yeah, there's a really nice uh, gore effect later on. It was entirely practical, and uh, I was pretty happy with it. And again, you just had somebody come in with makeup and and do everything up. Yeah, well, uh, uh, there's a guy named John Aviles. He's our uh, he's our makeup guy, our special effects makeup. And then uh, um, uh, we had uh, uh, Lady and Francia Cohen on the set as well. She was there for like beauty, makeup, and hair, but she also uh, does practical effects. So she did the, the, the uh, um, I'll refer to it as the eyeball. She did the eyeball. Oh, okay. 
And uh, was there a bit of like, do you have any trouble like dealing with like continuity when you were filming in this house? Like, you know, you're filming in this house for two weeks. Like, it, I don't know if you live there or if you had it was your, some of your friend's house, but it's just like, okay, don't touch anything. We'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> um, no, we were pretty good. Um, I had, uh, um, you know, free run of the house. It's not my house. It's, it was a friend's house, but he was fine. And, and, uh, I, you know, told him that we're going to be spattering blood around here and there. And he's like, no, that's fine. Don't just do whatever you want to do. So, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy working environment. That works out. Yeah. It's always like location like that. Like you want to, I don't know, like leave it as you had it, but you're also like, okay, but we got to make something kind of cool here. So sorry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, because because there were uh, there have been other cases like in the, like in the zombie movie where, and it was like a year after it came out where I noticed an issue, like a, a boom shadow that I had never noticed before, even though I'd watched it like a dozen times. It's funny how you don't notice those things, eh? Yeah, and then and at first I freaked out about it, but then I realized no, nobody's gonna see that. If I mean, nobody, nobody saw that kid pointing at his crotch in Back to the Future Three, then you know. I think you're okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, there'll yeah, there'll be there'll be people who will like you know post on uh, under the goose section in IMDb, right? But most people won't care; they won't notice. No, exactly. And if they're caring honestly that much about it, then that means people are watching your stuff quite a bit, and I suppose that's good, right? Yes. Um. So once you get the movie done, like. Uh, what was your distribution route? Like, did you, what did you all consider? Did you shop this okay. around or? Well, here's, here's the, the story there. That is, I did something very different and I'm still, still experimenting with it uh, as we speak. But, um, uh, I, I looked at several other, like, you know, low budget horror movies and what they did. Uh, if you watch low budget horror on Amazon, a name you will see a lot is uh, Gravitas Ventures. Okay. Uh, and they're like a uh, studio or like just like a distribution? distribution. Um, but here's the, and there's others like them. There's uh, uh, another uh, uh, guy who made uh, an awesome little horror movie called Hell House LLC. Uh, he went through a group called uh, terrorfilms.net. Um, and there's others like them too. But really they're just, uh, all, all they do. Are they just aggregation companies or? Yeah, they they can put your movie up on all the platforms, like on Amazon and Hulu and iTunes and Google Play and everything. Got it. Um, and but but they take you know then they do they do two things. First, they do the publicity, but they deduct that out of the money you're going to make. Ah, uh, movie math. Yeah, and they take a twenty five percent cut. Ooh, that's a lot. So, yeah, so you don't get the actually some of them more like I think Gravitas is more like thirty five. Did you uh, look into uh, Distriber? Yes, yes, and I actually, I'm going to do something with them. But, but he, here's the thing that I'm so surprised nobody knows. Maybe, maybe I'm revealing a big secret here. I don't know. Mm. For all the people who do this, the platform that by far makes the bulk of the money is Amazon. Really? And yes, yeah. It's free for uh, you to I, just upload to Amazon too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You don't need anybody's help for that. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's what I did. I, I mean, I'd already, as kind of an experiment a couple of years before I put my zombie movie up on Amazon just to, just so it's familiar with the procedure, but yeah, it's called uh, Amazon video direct. And, um, uh, you upload it there and they have some deliverables that they need, like captions, for example, right. uh, which Standard. that's a giant, that's a giant pain in the ass making the captions file. Did you do, you uh, was it, was it rev now? Have you, have you tried that site? It's like a dollar a minute or something like that. No, I just did it myself. I mean, it's just typing. It's just text. Um, but the thing is... Who's got that it, time, though? Well, but this, I had to do it myself because it bugs me so often if I'm watching, say, a foreign movie. Oh, yeah. Where the, where the caption will be kind of out of sync and, and it'll, like, blow a joke before it happens or, you know, kind of ruin a moment because it doesn't deliver the line right when the line should have been delivered. I, I, I see that all the time. It just really bothers me. So I just said, no, I'll do it myself. I'll just do it myself. Does our director, what the Pan's Labyrinth director, he says apparently he does all the subtitle translations himself for the subtitles for, for foreign language. Oh, Guillermo del Toro? Guillermo, yeah. I'm, yeah. I never say that right. I always read it, but I don't really say it out loud very often. 
so that's so you decided to do Amazon exclusively. Well, no, I'm going to I'm going to use Distributor for for uh, the other platforms like iTunes and Google Play. Okay. But I didn't see any reason to give anybody, you know, a 25 or 35% cut when I can just do it myself. Exactly. And also there's they can get really squirrely like uh Well, they did. Oh yeah, with the uh, well, You know, here's the thing. Because uh, I did approach some uh, little indie uh, companies like that about distribution, but as soon as I told them, "No, I don't need help with Amazon. That's already done," they immediately lost interest. Really? Yeah, because they know that that's that's where the bulk of the money is. My so, uh, my experience, like the like the one movie I made about ten years ago, we had like a deal through a company sort of similar to that, but. Uh, it was then through E1, which is like a pretty big company in Canada. They they kind of redistribute a lot of U.S. films, foreign films and all that. But, yeah, there was a lot of like, we got this deal. You made five grand. But also all the expenses were about five grand. So <laughs> it was always things like that. And yeah. time after time was that. Um, the last film we did, though, we, we did um, another – it's a kind of a Canadian uh, – version of like a distributor it's sort of a friend of a friend type thing and um their split was a lot better it's like a 90 10 thing and uh there's no hidden fees there's no anything like that it's an upfront like ingestion fee for the uh, post house but uh the deciding factor for us to, to do that was uh all the canadian television up here so that right. was kind of like we option like we get that chance to be well and we are on like a lot of the canadian pay-per-view and all that so i like distributor seems really good you know like it's like it's like like there's they don't take anything you know you just pay that one-time fee yeah distributor uh come strikes me as, as pretty awesome i'm i'm you know i haven't actually done something with them yet but i have talked to them yeah they're, they're very good at like just calling you and like talk talking it out hey eh? have you i don't yeah, know if you've yeah. had any phone conversations with them but I have, yes. And it's strange, like, it's strange and, I don't know, like, I don't know how many of these people you've dealt with, but, like, there's, like, there's a vibe you get from some people in that distribution <laughs> world. It's, like, you know, it's, like, that used car salesman vibe. The I call them lizard people because, like, they don't really huh. even, like, listen to you. They're just, like, waiting to, like, pitch you on the next thing, you know? Oh yeah, I know. You know, you, you're like all excited. Hey, I made this movie, and it's here's what it's about. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Just do it here, and we'll do this. And maybe we'll give you some money. Exactly, and, and then yeah, they're just there's leeches. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they really are. And and one of the things I'm kind of hoping to show here. I mean, it'll take probably a year to really have you know all the numbers I need to show everybody. But is I think they're really obsolete. Yeah, and in some ways, a lot of them are. You know. Yeah, I mean, if if I wanted, you know, like a uh, like a theatrical release or something like that, well, then they would still come into play. Yeah. But for but for super, you know, micro budget indie horror like this, I I don't see why I need them for anything. It's true, uh, and most people, you know, they consume a lot of their media like like that on Amazon these days too. You know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's good. It's good to I think it. Again, another reason why I wanted more to get connect with more indie filmmakers on the podcast like this is to talk about these things because a lot of the times, like these deals that we signed back in the day, it was like a don't talk about it type deal, you know? And you can't really yeah. like reveal a lot of the information and like the squirrely accounting that goes on in these things. So I think it's just good we're getting, I don't know, maybe it's just hitting the wall here, but like, the uh, it's I think it's just good to get a lot of this information out. Yeah, really, very much so. Uh, you know, people who want to keep secrets like that. They're usually they usually do it because they don't want word to get around what a terrible deal they're offering. Yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, you, I mean, as soon as you start doing this, um, you know, whether as a hobby or, or trying to make a living at it, and you meet other filmmakers, you just hear horror story after horror story about distributors. Yeah. So you know, I I don't know. I can't. I only know like one person who really likes his distributor and has a good relationship with them. Really? So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, most everybody else is. It's. It, it seems like a. Um, 
very contentious relationship that they you end up having because you don't like the way they're you're being treated. But they but they convince you, you know that well it's really not worth that much. We'll get a little for it, I guess. But I mean they they kind of wear you down, I guess, after a while. I think, I think that's just it, right? Um, what's, uh, I, I don't know. I talked to you a bit about film festivals, but, uh, you had good experiences with film festivals and I have, um, my, my, uh, zombie movie, universal dead, it, it won the grand prize at the LA web fest, uh, good. uh, like, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, I think it was. Um, and the grand prize was an all expense paid trip to the Marseille web fest in France. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so it wasn't like just a, here's a plaque, you know, you can put this up in your wallet and nobody cares. It was like, no, here, here's tickets to France. Right. No, that's okay. awesome. That's like a legitimate, that justifies the $50, $60 entry oh, yeah. fee, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, That was the like the film festivals I've found, like entering in a lot of these things. Like you're submitting, you know, 20, 20 to 100 bucks sometimes. You know, you don't know if you're going to get in. And then if you're in... You know, you go through, at least I've done it, like you go through a lot of trouble promoting it, getting it out there. They sell tickets to the film festival of which, you know, most of the time you never see any of that money from the door. Right. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little cynical. <laughs> no, it's easy to be in this, in this business. But see, here's the other thing. If if distributors really are obsolete, at least from the point of view of, of you know, small indie budget uh, films, then... Film festivals are kind of obsolete too, because a big part of the reason why you, you you put your film through the film circuit is to get distribution. Exactly. Yeah. And and if you don't need that because you already have it because because anybody can put their stuff up on Amazon, well then you don't really need the film festivals other than other than for promotion, just getting the word out about your film. Just an added promotion. Yeah. But a lot of film festivals won't. Uh, let your film in if it's already up on Amazon. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Yeah. It's catch twenty two, eh? Yes, it, it is. So there needs to be some adjustments made. I I, um, I totally agree. This the uh, head of the business at the moment. Yeah, this last uh, film we've we've made, we've been trying this sort of small thing. Like it's out, people can watch it now. But you can, we've done these small events. Like we'll do an event in a bar. And, you know, people come to the bar, watch the movie, but there's a lot of promotion in that one area, like in that one town that we do a lot of promotion. And maybe not everybody comes out to that event, but maybe they check it out online. That's kind of been one of the marketing ploys we've done. What's uh, How did you approach marketing? Uh, real quick, let me just point out that what just happened there Yeah, looked like a real action scene. Yeah. But there were no stunts. We were very careful about that. Okay. See him. You see him running towards uh, Gary, and then the next scene, you see them like both on the on the floor, you know, fighting over the gun. And then the next scene, he's standing back up again. So nobody actually tackled anybody. Uh, we didn't have to have a stuntman or have a mattress for someone to fall on or anything like that at all. And that's important because your insurance goes through the roof if you yeah. have stunts. Yeah, that's true. Or you just don't tell them, and you just do it anyways. <laughs> or that, yes, or that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I just uh, so. There's there's a bunch of places in the movie where it looks like something stunt wise, stunty happened, but it never did. It's all just you know little movie magic here. Just a little editing, and, yeah, yeah. No, that's good, and it's I, good. I just want to point that out. Because I think that's important for filmmakers. Too. No, I think so too because you are like be careful of that. You're trying to like deal with like your budget constraints and everything, but you're trying to deal with it in a creative way too. You know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um. You know, you look for volunteers. My my uh, wonderful daughter Natalie and uh, my my son-in-law Danny they volunteered to be craft services for the movie. That's uh, tough. Feeding people's tough. Yeah, so they, you know, they they cooked up a big meal and brought it every day. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, my my uh, grandson Kieran uh, was there helping out too. His PA for me. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was nice having you know friends and family who could just help out. I have a theory about like when you release the carbs on the set, you know, like you got to wait to close to the end before you let them have the pizza and or like the pasta because they're just going to crash and you're not going to get much out of them, you know? 
That's not a bad point. That's yeah. actually a, mm. roll out, roll out the fruit and the uh, and the you know the meats and all that uh, early mm. in the day. Get the energy levels up. You know, keep it rolling. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a good point. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I've just I've also I've also like I've all, a lot of the times I've worked with a lot of my friends, and I'm like, I know how you eat. You're just gonna eat this. You're gonna go to the bathroom. You're gonna stink up the bathroom, and then everybody's gonna have to deal with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to uh, marketing, what, what's been the yeah. what's been your marketing uh, ideas and and whatnot? Like, how did you approach that? Like going into this well that's been a challenge it's an ongoing challenge um uh there was a marketing company that i had heard other filmmakers talk about that i kind of had in mind from the beginning and i did hire them at one point it was not not cheap right but you know the thing is again with amazon you can see pretty much day by day how, how much views you're getting how many minutes are being watched so you get like real data about what's working what's not working yeah. And, and the thing is, so when they started, when they, when they, when they did their thing and they started promoting it online and whatnot, I definitely got a bump, but nowhere near what I was hoping to get. In fact, the bump I got was about the same as just from me going on to Twitter and going, you know, into everybody who had like hashtag horror or hashtag horror fan or hashtag horror movies and, and, uh, you know, uh, tweeting to them about the movie. And then, yeah, just doing it that way. Yeah, I, I was just like spending, you know, maybe an hour a day doing that. And that gave me about the same size bump in viewership as, as these guys did for a whole bunch of money. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was disappointing. That was disappointing. Have you messed with the Facebook ads or Instagram or anything like that? I, I, I do. Um, I do have, uh, like, there's a Facebook page for Demon Protocol and, uh, and Twitter and uh, and then Instagram. Um and I have uh, mostly done Twitter ads. I, I finally get a better response from them. Really? Uh, yeah, as opposed to, I, I, I have paid for Facebook ads as well, but I, I, I feel like I get a better bump from Twitter. Okay. And I haven't tried Instagram yet, but I'm, that's next. They make it sort of like pretty integrated now with, like if you have your Instagram, Facebook sort of account yeah. hooked up, you can kind of blast it out on, on both platforms, which is kind of, handy you know that like they always have that saying like you have to see something in three different places before you you know right if like registers as something real you know yeah um, to check it out but yeah so you just sort of have you had uh, the actors helped you in promoting it at all or is it just like you get the one or oh, two yeah. tweets and then it's kind of radio silence until no they've, they've been very helpful uh, uh caroline amagway right there she's the she's the demon as you can see now um, sorry, I really like this part. I'm just looking at uh, her hair over her eye, and I just realized that uh, whoever did the effects, that's uh, a nightmare shot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm trying to, yes, uh, Ray mentioned that very specifically. Yeah, rotoing that, her hair. If he was on set, he probably would have been like, can her hair not be there? <laughs> I've, done, I've done shots like that before, and it's like, no. Do we have something else? There we go. Gross. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, uh, yes, they've, they've been very helpful. Uh, uh, but, yeah, Caroline has a, a sizable web presence. Um, she's an excellent actress. Uh, her husband, uh, uh, Matt Silverstone, just directed a, uh, a movie with uh, with Caroline in it, and... Um, it premiered here in San Diego and was, was excellent. Very good. Uh, and so she's, but yeah, she uh, mentions uh, Demon Protocol all the time. So you know, it's a nice little bump from, from her. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, the, the other movie she's in is Love All You Have Left. Okay. Um, yeah. She yeah. just does a great job here. She, you know, I mean, she, she really commits to being the demon here. Just being just, just flat out evil. It's fun uh, working with people like that that just commit and get into the role. Well, I feel like, you know, one of the biggest mistakes filmmakers make when they first start making stuff and making shorts is they figure, well, I, I don't need actors. I'll just hire my friends. They can do it. It's easy. Right. Oh, no, 
No, it's not. That's a terrible idea. Don't hire your friends. Your friends can't act. Some people's uh, friends can act. I've got. I, I've been lucky enough that I've had a like. I've grown up, been around a few friends that have got into the trade. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it it really you know it's almost like it's not quite as bad as bad sound, but it's it's up there. Bad acting will really again take you right out of the story. Very true. Uh, and uh, you know, it's I think the reason most people are bad at acting is because they they feel silly doing it, so they don't commit to it. That's true. I think that's like, very true. But uh, but yeah, so get good actors, and it's really not that difficult. It really isn't. It's, I mean, if you live in any decent sized city. There's there's actors around there they are I mean you just gotta look for them uh, yeah. and, and and they're generally especially if they're like you know pretty new they're they're usually happy to work for free just to get some good stuff for their for their role for their uh, you know that they uh, you know their film clips that they send around to people were uh, were any of these guys SAG or uh, uh, Gary is uh, SAG uh, FICOR so he can work indie or or SAG as he pleases okay. And, uh, and all the rest. work in the states, like so they, they they can. Do you have to pay a penalty or anything like that? Or actually, the only penalty, and I could be wrong about this. It's been quite a while since I looked into this, but um, if you go financial core, it's called uh, in SAG, because um, there was some ruling that happened against SAG many years ago. You know, they were being basically a monopoly, not letting people work on on stuff that they didn't control. Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, so they created the FICOR thing. It's my understanding the only penalty for FICOR is you can't vote in the SAG awards. Oh, okay. Well, that's not that bad at all. We run into like like the ACTRA up here is, is a lot more like, yeah, it's harder to get non-ACTRA and ACTRA people in, in a production together. Like they make you pay penalties or like they're they're a little bit more like, like a mob run thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's like it started as like a like a legitimate and and good thing, but it, it just it hasn't evolved for the times. Like it's still based on U.S. films coming to Canada sh- to shoot and just making sure they're not being taken advantage of. But now there's a lot more productions, a lot more indie productions, a lot more web productions. They have no nothing for like the internet, no like internet uh, YouTube type. Uh, section at all so it uh it proves a lot of different like a lot of problems at least just to get anyone in in it you know yeah pay a lot of penalties to like if you want an all actor thing but you have one non-actra actor you pay Mm -hmm. a penalty per day that that person is on set so yes that seems anti-filmmaker to me it is it's it's pretty it's it's gross but it's all just like a money making thing. And the penalty is like two hundred bucks a day. So like you can imagine like you have five or six people, you know, on set. If you say you oh, wanted... I'm sorry, there was a day ball. Oh nice. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, you having extra problems is is uh, just makes it so much more difficult because this is not an easy thing to do. Making a movie, it's amazing to me, honestly, the movies get made because really, so many, yeah, now that you've up. been through the process, you're like, yeah. this is fucking impossible. It is, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong. Just derail it at any moment. And, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's really amazing that they get made at all. And so anybody who makes it more difficult is not on my side as far as I'm concerned. What, uh, did you guys hit any walls while you're filming? Like, is there any like huge, like hoops or jumps you had to kind of to make while you filmed or, uh, not really. Really, um, because we were entirely inside a private home, we didn't have to get film permits. Okay. And we weren't out in public anymore. Um, And and really, that would have been the only thing. Um, You know, and because uh, where this house is, is fairly, it's pretty rural, it's pretty isolated. So we didn't have to worry about people, you know, uh, hey, what's those weird noises coming from over there? We didn't didn't have to worry about that. Um, So, yeah, it it was actually, in that sense, it was pretty easy. That's smart. You like make sure you like pick a scenario that it's you're not going to have those type of whatever problems that you normally run into on sets. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been through that before. I uh, when we did the zombie one, uh, we had we did a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, we actually hired a helicopter at one point for oh, a wow. helicopter. Yeah, the move it opens with a helicopter shot. Nice. And this was uh, 
not a drone. It was an actual helicopter with an actual cameraman, you know, hanging from a strap out the door. Crazy. Uh, the helicopter pilot was insane. It's a shot of we we have it. We got an actual Humvee. We found this guy who had like a bunch of military equipment for rent. So we rented a Humvee from him because uh, this was, this was our soldiers arriving at the base. And so we wanted a helicopter shot just of the Humvee driving down this this country road. And he got down like really low, like almost up, you know, just barely up off the ground, Jesus. going right alongside the the Humvee. And we didn't ask him to do that. He just decided to do that. So uh, yeah. It was pretty awesome. That's fine. Uh, and at one point, we did have the sheriff show up because uh, somebody had driven by and seen like a bunch of guys with guns, and so we had to show the sheriff. No, they're all airsoft here. Check it out. And, and I had my permits ready to, you know, so that was nice. He just looked those over. He says, "Okay, you boys have a good day." And left him. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. That's lucky. It's fun. It's yeah. It's funny when you that actually goes well. I we were shooting something one time in Toronto, and. Uh, we got pulled over for doing a U-turn. We were filming outside of a van, like just filming shots, pointing the camera outside of a van. And when they pulled us over, the DP that was with me, he's like, all right, I don't want to alarm you, but the vehicle is full of fake guns and fake police uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) And then he pulled us out of the van. Like he was nice about it. But then we had no identification about who we were. We left it all back at the hotel we had no proof that the van was ours. <laughs> but he, I don't know, he radioed in and he ended up just letting us go, which is extremely lucky. But Yeah, yeah. It could have went south really quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, you can face some pretty serious penalties. I mean, they can confiscate your equipment, like say if you're operating without a permit and stuff like that. Yeah, they run it sort of loose. Toronto's sort of like a, like if you show up, you're not putting too much stuff on the ground. Then this is kind of like so long as you're not bugging anybody, kind of a kind of a move. But uh, Ottawa, which is like capital, it's government town. They get a little more squirrely. They get like they get upset if you're just like doing anything. So yeah, well, I had I didn't get pulled over, but I I had a long drive once where I was terrified of being pulled over because sitting on the seat next to me was a prop uh, that uh, uh, we just used in a trailer we had made. And it was a human heart covered in blood. <laughs> and I had it in like a plastic bag. So, you know, explain that to a cop. It's just um, a prop. It's not real. I swear. I swear. <laughs> I have somewhere. Let me, I'll find the receipt. <laughs> how did you, uh, how'd you get that prop made? Uh, I, a friend of a friend knew somebody up in LA who was a professional, uh, you know, like monster makeup, uh, movie prop kind of guy, kind of guy. And he made it for me. And nice. it looks very, I mean, I, I've never actually seen, seen a human heart like up, that up close. Uh, I, thankfully. But it, but it sure looks real to me. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I guess like being in that proximity, like San Diego is how far away from LA? Four hours? Oh, two. Two. So uh, like being in that proximity to like basically Hollywood, you have a lot of like talent pool <laughs> that they may not work on Avengers, but you know they're working on a lot of other stuff that you can dip into that talent pool, which is, you know, helps you a lot too. Yeah, it does. And it's, uh, LA actors loved coming down to San Diego. Uh, San Diego is a much nicer place than LA. And yeah, I've uh, never been. So it's a, it's a, it's a cool city. It's very relaxing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do here. And, uh, so yeah, they're, they're happy to come down here for a shoot. Um, yeah. Cause like, like Gary Graham right there, he was also in my zombie movie. Um, and then through him, I met, uh, DB Sweeney, who's also been in just a ton of movies. Um, and he was also in the zombie, zombie movie. And they, they both said that they said, Oh yeah, it's a good chance to get out of LA. It's awesome. I love coming down here. Very cool. So did you have to put these people up in hotels, like while filming, like uh, how some, much you want to talk about how much you spent budget wise, but it was, it was under a hundred. Okay. hundred bucks. It was under hundred K. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Back to like seventy five fifty. It was no, it's uh, yeah, it was under hundred thousand. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, that was an expense, obviously, and uh, for the LA people, they had to be put up. Um, and uh, uh, you know, they understood indie movie. I can guarantee, maybe a three star motel, maybe two somewhere in there. The classiest um, hojo around. Yes, the very best of all of them. 
but uh, uh, yeah, they were fine with it. And then uh, a lot of the people were local, uh, like the the husband who you saw early on, the the, the tall blonde guy. Um, that's Matt Bradford. He's a local San Diego actor. Okay. He actually lives just like right up the street from where this house was. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. So he just walked to work. It was pretty pretty pleasant. Oh, here, check this out. Um, putting them up in Airbnbs or anything like that? Just like with, I've often thought about that, like because like hotels are like a couple hundred bucks a day, whereas a lot of times you can find mm-hmm. an Airbnb for like a whole week where maybe you can put two to three people if they're comfortable with it in a big house, you know? Yeah, that's true, and and. Uh, I don't know. I just heard, I think I just recently heard some really bad story about somebody, something that happened to somebody through Airbnb. So I was just kind of turned off to the whole idea. Okay. I don't remember what it was. Um, Oh, I need to point out something. This is, this is deeply, deeply geek. Okay. Okay. Remember the original series, Star Trek, the original series from the 1960s with uh, Shatner. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't watch all of it, but uh, I am aware of it. Yes. Okay. And did you see the episode with the tribbles? I uh, did not. But okay, I'm sure maybe a few listeners have. There's a famous episode called The Trouble with Tribbles. And it was written by science fiction writer David Gerald. Okay. And that's who was sitting in the car right there. That's David Gerald. Oh, very cool, man. Yeah. He's also well known for the – there's a, a series of novels called The War Against the Couture. And okay. he's, he's been a sci-fi writer forever. And he like uh, a yeah. friend of yours or – Yeah, yeah. We got to be friends over Facebook and uh, – uh, ended up arguing a lot, which I kind of enjoy. And uh, uh, so does he. Um, and this is what I mentioned. I was making the movie, and he asked me if he could be in it. And I said, sure. And I wrote this part for him. And the oh, name of his cool. character uh, is James McCarthy, which was the name of the main character from his novels, The War Gets Couture. Okay. That yeah. must have been interesting, picking his brain about writing television well, for... It was awesome. It was awesome. He he wrote uh, you know that Star Trek episode, and he was a writer on uh, Next Generation... And he just he told me a ton of great stories. It was awesome hanging out with him. That's awesome. Just a wealth of knowledge, too, of yeah. writing. Just, like, of having to write on a show like that. Just, like, getting the job done of writing so much. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up close to the end here, I think. Yeah, we're pretty close. And we're coming up on uh, one of the other uh, things that is worth spending some money on. Um which we'll get to here in just a sec. So they, they leave and the song begins. Okay. I don't I can't, I turned off the sound. I couldn't, I wanted to make sure I heard there's, it. There's a song right here. It's a uh, marked man by Mia Pauli. Okay. And, uh, it's an excellent kind of Southern Gothic, um, you know, song about evil. And so it fits perfectly. So did you spend, I, uh, like, did you have to buy the rights to the song or? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, if you look in the credits here, you'll see I, I have a music supervisor, uh, a guy named Sean Fernald. Uh, he's that he's an LA music supervisor. It's what he does for a living. But he's a friend of mine, so he helped me out with this. Um, and he uh, uh, wrote up the, the the contract and everything so that I had the rights to the song for the movie. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, I did, again, was, I didn't get. I'm sorry. Uh, and and Miaka Pauli, who wrote the song, who's singing right here, she's amazing. She was very. Very into the idea. She really liked uh, uh, having her song be in a, in a horror movie. Awesome. So, yeah, it worked out well. Very cool. So I just wanted to make sure we get in plugs of where people can check this out, where they can check you out on uh, Facebook or the Internet. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Demon Protocol is the all you need to look for. Because uh, that'll take – well, actually, I take that back. Because I've been checking Google every day uh, for stuff and – uh, we've already been pirated by a couple of Chinese sites. Oh, good. Uh, yes. So be careful what you click on. Right. It's if you just, uh, yeah, there's nothing you can do. I mean, they, that happens. So. Yeah. I... Uh, but when you watch it, it's, it's on Amazon. That's, that's all you need to know. It's Demon Protocol. Look it up on Amazon. You'll find it. It's, it's, and it's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it for free if you have Amazon Prime. Um, so, yeah, that's everything you need to know about that. People check uh, it out on Twitter. It's just like at Demon Protocol, right? I think that's why we... Yeah, at Demon Protocol and Instagram, uh, uh, just Demon Protocol. And then uh, and there is a Facebook page for it. Um, yeah. Be sure to like go check this out, folks, because uh, this is indie film. This is the real people that are working on stuff. And uh, you know, there's a lot of good films out there that people are making that you know they might have the Hollywood money, but there's a lot of creative people out there making really cool stuff and you should be out there supporting this type of stuff. 
Yeah, you know, there there really are some good ones out there, like the uh, the one I mentioned earlier, uh, Hell House LLC. Uh, I'm a, I, you know, I scan uh, Amazon uh, uh, for like new horror all the time, and that's where I found it. Uh, and it's a great little movie. Um, and I, I've since become friends with the guy who made it because we started chatting on Facebook one day, and and um, uh, he had tons of useful advice. Um, but yeah, there's you can. I mean, I I know most movies aren't aren't that great, but there are some gems out there, and you can find them. That's true. You just gotta sift through maybe a couple bad ones, but even still, like. If you watch it with your friends and it's a bad one, then you maybe had uh, some fun with your friends making fun of a bad one like, uh, oh, what's that show back in the day? Mystery Science Theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I'm... That and and um, one of the things I love to do... Oh, actually, here, hang on one second. We do have an after credit scene. Okay, here we go. Uh, let me turn your sound up for this one. God. Oh, no. It's really short. Charlie, pick two marks. <laughs> 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 that was this guy's things. Is that this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it was just the loudest stomach rumble, whatever you want to call it, I'd ever heard in my life. Okay, thank you uh, for coming on the podcast, Kelly. Awesome, I really enjoyed it. Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lost Commentary, on Instagram at Raiders of the Lost Commentary, and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.